Thank you. Take your Bibles with me tonight and turn with me to the book of Philippians, the book of Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to start in verse 10. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 10. Probably most of you, if not all of us, at some point in time have been frustrated. Uh, Frustration sometimes comes from a, uh, maybe you had a goal, you thought you were going to accomplish something, and it didn't go out the way you planned. That can be frustrating. Also, frustration can come when you have expectations, maybe in people or in things, and those things or people don't really do what they said they were going to do. Kind of reminds me of the lady who wanted to go skydiving. Now, anybody going skydiving has got to be nervous, right? Especially the first time, I would think. Uh, But she was going to try it, and she decided to do it, got her nerve up, and she said, I'm going to do this. And so she went to skydiving school and got the directions and all the training that she needed, and they assured her. They said, listen, uh, when you go, when you jump out... um, we're going to help you. We're going to be there for you. We're going to every step of the way. So they said, listen, when you jump, you go for a bit, you pull this cord. And that cord's going to open up. That cord's open up the parachute, and everything's going to be fine. But, <laughs> but, but if it doesn't open like it's supposed to, there's another cord. There's an emergency parachute. You pull that cord, and that will open And when you get down to the ground, there'll be a red truck there to pick you up and bring you back to the airport. So she said, okay. Well, she got up in the airplane, and they went through all the instructions again, and she jumped. Well, she got down, and she pulled that cord. Nothing happened. She thought, oh, great. Then she remembered. They told me, pull the next cord, the small cord. So she pulled it. Nothing happened. And as she was falling, she said to herself, I bet you that red truck won't be there either. (laughs) If anybody was frustrated, it was probably the Apostle Paul because he was under house arrest. A man who had been free to preach the gospel through the Roman Empire was now bound and under the guard of four Roman soldiers. And there he had to stay. But you know, Paul realized that even though it was frustrating, even though he was uh, not meeting his goals maybe, or what he thought his expectations were, he realized that even though he wasn't going out and he wasn't preaching the gospel, the gospel was going forward. Because, uh, and actually, uh, God had a purpose for what, what, where he was. God had a purpose for him to be in that place. Uh, and he realized that. And at that time, he, uh, he wrote this letter to the, to the Philippians while he was under this uh, house arrest waiting to face the trial before Caesar. And he was waiting, and he penned this letter to the, the folks there in Philippi who also were probably were going through some frustrations. And so a man going through frustrations, feeling frustrated, wrote some words of encouragement to some probably frustrated people. And that's what we see here tonight, and that's the, the lesson I think God has for us 
in this passage that I'd like to bring out this evening. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Dear God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for this night. We thank you for the opportunity to come and to be in this place, in this beautiful building, and to <clears throat> just to look into the Word of God and to receive the instruction here that you have for us. Father, we do pray for a pastor that you would bless him tonight and uh, Lord, touch his body and bring him back to health and strength. We pray for all those who are suffering uh, that you would do the same, touch their bodies and bring them back to health and strength. And Father, uh, we pray for the families that are suffering uh, because of loss. Uh, for whatever it is, Lord, we pray for them as well. And uh, our minds are upon them tonight. Uh, Lord, we do pray that you'd bless the message tonight. Help me to bring out these thoughts that I have. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me ask you this question. How do you respond to people or situations that frustrates you? How do you respond? Most likely, if you are like myself, uh, you respond negatively. You can get upset, you can get angry. Uh, and that's just human nature, isn't it? That's the way we are. Uh, we're, that's, the, that's how it is. However, we can learn to respond in a way that I think that will help us to realize that these frustrations that we may be experiencing at the time can be God's way of bringing something great in our life. And a lot of times we don't think about that at the time, but sometimes frustrations can be the catalyst that will bring us to a greater level of spirituality, a greater level of faith, and a greater level of service to the Lord. And at the time we don't realize it, but they can happen. Someone wrote this. These are not my thoughts. I'm... Um, these are what someone else said. I read them. I thought they were good. They had three roots of discontentment. Why do people get discontented? Why are they, they get where they can't be content with what God's given them? One is the inability to accept the way God created us. You know, we like to think uh, we could do anything and everything, but we can't. We're limited because of, you know, one thing or another. We're sinners. And we live in a fallen world, and our bodies are affected by the fall. And so, you know, there's some things that, because of that, we can't do. And our expectations may be uh, diminished. Another reason could be a reluctance to deal with our past. You know, because of sin again, we've done some things. Or maybe some things have happened to you. And to go back and deal with that can be very difficult and very hurtful, and bring up feelings that we don't like. And so we're not willing to deal with those past issues. And that sometimes can bring about discontentment in our life. Another reason, a refusal to deal with destructive behavior and attitudes that are outside of God's will. Sometimes what we're doing is wrong. But we don't want to change because we like it. That old flesh likes it. And we don't want to give it up. And so therefore, you know, if you think as a Christian, I'm speaking to Christians here tonight, uh, you know, obviously this is not the same principle for the unsaved, but for the believer, if you're saved and you're living in a lifestyle or you're living in a, you got a sin in your life that you know is wrong and you're trying to hold on to that and still have a relationship that's fulfilling as a Christian, that's not going to work. And, and you know, there, there's going to be some, some frustrations in your life. 
And these are some reasons why we can have these, uh, this frustration and discontentment in our life. So what I have tonight are three spiritual resources that can help us overcome them. And these are from this passage of Scripture that I have here tonight. The first resource is the overruling providence of God. The overruling providence of God. I want you to look at verse 10 and notice what the Apostle Paul said. He said, but I rejoice in the Lord greatly. Now go down to verse 11 and at the the last part of that verse, we're going to get back to the rest of it. I'm not going to skip over that. But I just want to go to this here. He said, in whatsoever state I am. Boy, that's, that's a big statement. Paul said, I rejoice in whatever state I am. Can I say that? No. <laughs> not all the time. There are some times I'm not rejoicing. There are some times I'm frustrated. There are some times that I'm, I'm angry or sad because of the state that I am, because of the situation that I'm facing. And that's human. That's, that's the way the world is in which we live. And, you know, we're not going to be happy all the time. But Paul says, I can rejoice in every situation. Now, that's, now that's a faith, isn't it? That is a belief in the providence of God, that God's providence is better for us than anything Amen. that we could ever have, that we could bring to ourselves. God's providence is better for us. And Paul said, I have reached that point that I can rejoice in whatever state I am. What's the truth there? God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Even though Paul was under house arrest, he was bound, he said, this is God's will and God is going to use this in my life for a purpose. And he said even that he knew that even though he was restrained from preaching the gospel in a physical way, he said, I know that the gospel is going farther with me right here. Go Turn with me, just keep that place in, in Philippians. We're going to come back there. But go to Philippians chapter 1. Notice what he said in the early part of this chapter. He said this. In verse uh, 12, he says, But I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happen unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confidence by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. He said, there are some people out there that don't like me. They don't like what I'm doing, but yet, because they don't like me, they're preaching the gospel. (laughs) Uh, The gospel's getting out with, with even the bad things they're saying. It's even a witness to the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 16. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, opposing to add affliction to my bonds, 
but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. So Paul had an understanding that God had a purpose for his life, and even though he was facing house arrest, he was facing that situation, God was working. And it was actually working out for the furtherance of the Lord's plan of the gospel. Kind of reminds us of the story of Joseph. I think most of us, all of us, are familiar with the life of Joseph, how God had given Joseph a dream, actually a couple of dreams, to, to emphasize a principle that Joseph would one day have a place of providence uh, in his family. He was going to be, a, you know, kind of a picture of a savior. And, uh, you know, when his family heard that, they didn't like that. They hated him. And they sold him into slavery. And Joseph's life was kind of, uh, kind of a, a, a life of a blessing. You know, even in Egypt, he had some good things happen to him. Then he had some bad things happen to him, just like us, right? Like we, you know, we have good things that happen to us, and there's some bad things that happen to us. And through it all, God was bringing Joseph along and preparing him for that position that he would one day have. And one day, he would be the second in command of Egypt, and he would be in charge of this great abundance of food. I mean, this overabundance that God had, had uh, provided for Egypt, and there was, there was a reason for that overabundance. What was it? Because there were going to be years of famine. So there was going to be an abundance, and then there was a famine, and God had raised up Joseph and prepared him, put him in a place of leadership, in a place where he could fulfill what God's plan would be, and there, at the end of the story, his brothers, his family. They come along and they say, Joseph, aren't you mad? Aren't you, aren't you angry with us? And what did, what did Joseph say? He says, I know you meant it for bad. I know you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And God brought about all these things through his providence that I might spare your life. In the life of, you know, not even just their life, but, you know, in them, that whole, that family, were all the promises of God to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, all the promises. God was working through Joseph's life, bringing about that plan so the, the people and his further promises could be fulfilled. What do we learn? We learn to trust God. Learn to trust God. Paul had learned to trust God and follow his leading. And you know, I think that's the lesson for us today. When we think about the providence of God and his, his plan for our life, we learn to trust him and to realize that everything that happens has a purpose and we can trust him. And you know, leave, your, and leave yourself in a position. I think that's one thing I appreciate, appreciate about Joseph. Joseph, you know, all through it, never said nothing negative about the Lord. He, he never cursed God. He, you know, he never did anything to say, you know, I'm not going to follow God anymore. I'm going to quit, which he could have. 
but he didn't. But what did he do? When you think about it, what did Joseph do? He left himself in a position where God could bless him. And he could receive the blessings of God in his life. Through the good and the bad times that he experienced, he left himself in a position where God could bless him. And I think that's what we can do. We can don't give up, as we heard this morning, and we're iterating the same thing tonight. Put yourself in a position where God can bless you. You know, we, we all want the blessings of God. I do. Well, we got to put ourselves in a position where God can extend those blessings to us. And then point number two, another resource that we have is the unfailing power of God. So we have the providence of God. Paul said, whatever state I am, I can rejoice. I can rejoice in any situation. And then he says, in the unfailing power of God, let's go back to verse, verse 10 again. And he says, I, but I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatever state I am therewith to be content. To be content. So he had learned that contentment. That word learned means something, not necessarily a book knowledge. Now, there's, 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 there's place for book knowledge. But this is a knowledge that comes by experience. That's different, isn't it? I'm not, you know, it's, it's just two different ways to learn. There's one way you can learn at school, but then you can learn by life experience. And Paul said, I have learned this by my life experience in the Lord, that any situation I can be content. That word content means a self-sufficiency. You know, I, I've, I'm sufficient. Now, that's a little different for us who are Christians. You know, you would probably in Canada talk to a lot of people and say, are you content? And they say, yeah, I'm content. And you know, I would understand that and I would kind of, Believe that. Why? Well, you know, if I had a $400,000 house and driving a nice car and my refrigerator was full and my cupboards were full, it'd be kind of hard, wouldn't it, not to be content in some way, in a physical way. I mean, folks, we're blessed in this country. <laughs> we are so blessed. We have so much. But this is not the same content that I'm talking about. All right, I'm not talking about being content with a self-sufficiency, you know, with a large bank account and a nice home and, and which so many people in our country have. The, yeah, we, are, we can be a contented people physically. But Paul here is talking about a self-sufficiency not on himself, but rather a divine sufficiency, right? That's different. Now we got a sufficiency. Now we got a contentment, not based on what I have, 
but based on a faith in a God, what he's given me. And I know he'll supply. That's different. And that's something the unsaved don't know anything about. They don't understand that type of contentment. Because most likely, if they lost everything, would they still be content? Maybe not. You know, Paul learned that it was because of God's power and his grace. Notice what he said here in verse 12. And that kind of brings out this idea of the sufficiency that's based on God. Okay? This divine sufficiency. Notice he says in verse 12, I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. So Paul said, I've been through the good, and I've been through the bad. All right? I've been, I have been involved where things were good, and things were prospering, and life was going great. But I've also experienced when life wasn't so good and, the, and the, it didn't look too good and the future looked kind of bleak to me. I've learned, I saw, I've been abased, I've abound everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Paul says, I experienced it all. I've been through it all. He says, I've been instructed I've, I've learned the secret. <laughs> I've learned the secret of how to be content in the good times and the bad times. Now, how do you do that? How can you do that? I can partially understand through the good times, but how can we, how can we have that contentment when we're going through the hard times? Well, notice the next verse. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Amen. You see, there is a power that only comes from God. Amen. And it's unfailing. Amen. The unfailing power of God, knowing that no matter what you're facing, God can supply. Amen. And folks, that comes, that doesn't come from the physical world. You're not going to get that from a, from a big bank account. You're not going to get that from a, a nice home and driving a nice car and having a lot of things. That's not going to come from this world. That's got to come somewhere deeper, right? That's got to come from a source that's even deeper than anything that we could ever get from this world. Uh, I think about the, the palm tree. You know, uh, you think... In your mind, if you could picture with me, try to, a desert oasis. And there's, there's just arid, desolate land all around. And right in the middle is a grove of palm trees. And it's, what do we call that? An oasis, <laughs> right? That's an oasis. That's a haven, that's a good place. And we kind of picture that with these palm trees, right? And these palm trees, what do they represent? They represent life. In a place where there's nothing but 
death and uh, nothing but dryness and, and what is there? There's some life in the middle of this all. And it's in these palm trees. And the secret of the palm tree is not what we see above the ground. It's what we see below the ground. It's hidden from the view of us by the ground. But in the ground are, are roots that have found a source not only a source of strength to bring stability when, the, when the, you know, the wind blows, but also a source of nourishment that can sustain them through all seasons, dry seasons. And there they stand because they're, they've tapped into something that gives them life. Folks, what is that for us? It's the Word of God. The Word of God, that's, that's, that's the source of our power. You're going to stand alone, you're going to fall, but it's the Word of God that will help us to give us strength to stand. And that power comes from that. Isn't that what David said, Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 to 3? He talked about, uh, you know, don't be like those three people, all right? Uh, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the, in the you know, he standeth in the way of scorners and seateth in the seat of the scorner, but I think standeth in the way of sinners, seateth in the seat of the scorner. But his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his word, the law that he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth its fruit in its season. It shall, its leaves shall not wither. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Why? Because he's meditating in the word. It's the word of God that gives us power. That's where the power comes from. And that's deeper. That's something deeper that we got. It's, that's, of course, through our salvation, through our relationship with Christ, that we can hold on and have that power within us to be able to face the frustrations that we're going to face in our life. That will keep us. In a, and, you know, in a life that may seem like an arid desert place, there's an oasis. <laughs> there's an oasis for all of us. And it can be as simple as opening our Bibles and having that time of devotion and receiving that strength that we need. So another resource, the unfailing power of God. And then thirdly, another spiritual resource is the unchanging promise. The unchanging promise of God. Notice it says in verse 14, we continue on, notwithstanding, ye have done well, that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also, then in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desired a gift, but I desired fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received the Epaphroditus, the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God 
shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. God has many ways to fulfill his promises. Here Paul talks about it one way. God fulfilled his need. He had a financial need. And Paul talks about some gifts that he had received from the church of Philippi, some financial gifts that they had sent while he was ministering in the city of Thessalonica. The Philippians had heard that he was facing some problems and they wanted to help him and so they gathered and took up an offering and they sent him some money. And Paul said he received that gift and actually he says, you're the only ones. Nobody else did that. You were the only ones who really sent to me during that time when I was going through that difficult uh, ministry there in Thessalonica. But Paul said that the gift uh, was really from God. You say, wait a minute now. I thought it came from the Philippians. Yeah, it did. But see, God can use people to fulfill his promises, can he? Sure he can. I mean, uh, who put it on their heart to give? God did. You see, that's what Paul's saying there. Paul says, God placed me on your heart, and he burdened you. And so Paul says, I recognize the gift, but I give the glory to him. I recognize that where it really came from, was for, it was God's supply in my life. And so he recognized that. He said, God had met my need. God had prompted you to give. And while you gave to me, and he said, while I enjoyed the gift, while I accepted the gift, and I used the gift, really in the back of my mind, I was saying, Lord, I want you to bless them for giving it. God, I, I want you to take that gift, and I want you to put it towards their account. That it be a blessing to them when they get to heaven. And they can see the fruit of the reason they gave. That was his motivation. That was his, his desire. And uh, why? Because Paul recognized something about giving. And he used three word pictures to describe their gift. The way we can give. Notice it says, I, I bring these out here. One way he described it, and he used some words here. Uh, let's go back to verse 10. He, used, he said, at last your care of me hath flourished again. There's a word picture there, right? What's the idea there? The idea is their gift is like a harvest. All right? They gave, and, you know, the result wasn't right away. The blessing from the gift was not going to come right away back towards them. Just like the farmer who goes out and before he can have the harvest, what, he's, what does he have to do? He has to prepare the ground. He has to plant the seed. He has to water the seed. And then he has to wait. And now all the conditions are right. He will have a harvest that he'll reap. And so when we give... We give knowing 
that whatever we give will one day flourish, not maybe in our time, but in God's time. So when we give, let's recognize God, we got to be patient. And God's going to use that gift. But we have to realize that it's in his timing. And Paul was waiting. He says, listen, your gift is flourishing. Souls are being saved. And we give, you know, to God's work. We recognize the fact that God's work is going forward. We may not see the results right away. But there is coming a harvest. And we'll see the results of that. Another word picture he says here, notice in verse 14, he uses the word, notwithstanding, he have done well done, that ye did communicate with my affliction. There's another word picture. Another picture there, it's like coming together and working together. The word communicate, all right? It's, it's, it's joining arms, it's fellowship. And it's not just giving, but we're working together, arm in arm, because we have the same goal in mind, God's work to go forward. And they were, they were involved in that work. And so therefore, they were working together. Even though they weren't there physically with them, Paul understood that. They were investing, Right? That's what we do, right? In the world, in the, in the world of finances, we join, we combine, we join arms with other investors so that we can have a dividend. I think that's the way it works, my understanding. And Paul says, listen, you communicated with me. We, we, we locked arms together spiritually so that we can have a dividend so we can see a blessing. And they working together. They were investing in Paul's ministry, knowing there would be spiritual dividends down the road. Paul knew that. The souls that were saved was a result of their gift. And they had a portion of that. And then another word picture he gives is found in verse 18. Notice it says here, an odor of a sweet smell. A sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Here we see a sacrifice. But it's just not any sacrifice. This is a sacrifice that God says, I accept that. I accept that. Don't we wish all our sacrifices we're accepted by God. All the things that we've sacrificed, wouldn't it be nice to get to heaven and we find out I accepted those because the motive was right. The heart was right. Paul said, he kind of opened up the door there a little bit spiritually and he said to him, God's accepted your sacrifice. How did he know that? Well, we know the Holy Spirit. <laughs> the Holy Spirit told him to write it. Their sacrifice was accepted by God. Just like Jesus. Ephesians chapter two, uh, chapter 5, verse 2 tells us the sacrifice of our Savior on the cross 
was accepted by our God, the Father. And because of that, we are saved. He accepted his sacrifice for sin. And we are, for everyone who received him, have accepted him, we are saved. And Paul just opened the, the, the curtain there spiritually, just a glimpse and said, listen, that, that offering you gave to me, God accepted it as a sacrifice. What a blessing that was, that they would know that. And what, a, what, it's, what did it speak of? It spoke of their devotion. Their heart was right. God wouldn't accept it if it wasn't right. God would not have accepted it if, it had, if they had different motives. But, what the, but their devotion was right. Their heart was right. Their motives were right. And he accepted that for them. They had the right attitude. You know, finances can be very frustrating. Talking about money, giving of money, accepting money, can be a very touchy thing for people. And I was reminded this weekend how money can be a frustrating thing. Having not enough money can be very frustrating, <laughs> right? I think we've all been there. Not enough money in the bank, too much month left, very frustrating. But yet, on the other side, having too much money can be frustrating at times. What did the writer of Proverbs Keep that place here in Philippians and go to Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 7. Proverbs chapter 30, here's a wise man. What did he have to say about that? Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 7. He said this, Two things have I required of thee, deny them not before I die. Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty or riches. Feed me with food convenient for me, lest I be full and deny thee and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. What did the writer say? I think he he was basically saying the same thing Paul had said. Lord, I want to be content. I want to live a, I want to be this where I'm trusting you, not relying on my finances, but trusting in an all-powerful God. So we have a God who can, uh, we can, he will keep his promises. And he'll even use other people to fulfill those promises in our life. In times of frustration, things can Uh, Frustration can be a time when God is speaking to us instead of avoiding the problem, we need to listen to God. A lot of times when we meet something frustrating, we want to avoid it. But you know, sometimes God can use those frustrations to bring us uh, to a better place in our life. You know, it's kind of like that wash machine. And uh, you go to that washer, you got your dirty clothes, and you're going to sort those clothes you should. And you're going to throw them in there and you're going to get them wet. You're going to put the water in there. You're going to put the soap in there. And you're, you're going to go back and your clothes are going to be clean. If the agitator works. 
There's an agitator. <laughs> That's an interesting name, isn't it? They call it the agitator. And it's got to work. I mean, if it didn't work, if it just stood still and didn't move, that's not going to clean your clothes. You say, well, they got wet. I put the soap in. Well, they're not clean. You got to have that agitator. Can it be true also in life that God will use an agitator? Is it true that maybe God will use a situation? Is it true that maybe God will use a person? to bring something out in your life, maybe a lesson, maybe a truth, maybe to bring you a, maybe, maybe to convict you of something in your life, a sin, an attitude. Maybe God will use something like that to develop you in your Christian life so that you can get to the place like Paul where you can say, I've learned by experience from my believing in the overruling providence of God, the unfailing power of God, and the ability for God to keep his promise, I have learned to be content. Have you got to that place yet? Are you seeing God work in your life? Maybe the Lord has got that thing for you. Will you, will you let him use it? <laughs> will you let him use that? to bring you to the next place where you need to be in your life? Or will you resist? Will you fight it? Don't fight it. Let God use it for his purpose. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear God and Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for the teaching of the word of God. And Lord, uh, for all things that come into our life, we know that all things work together for good. To him, they are called according to his purpose. That means for us who are saved. So, Lord, we pray that you would uh, work, as you work in our lives, may we be open uh, to uh, these things and to uh, just allow these things to work your will out for us and that your plan would go forward. Father, we do pray again that you'd bless and supply the needs that are represented here tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.